Hello and welcome to the November Review Show on Crime Time FM. I'm Paul Burke and I write about crime fiction. So I have some new books for you. As ever, this month's selection traverses the genre. And as we're rapidly coming into Christmas, I hope there's at least a few selections to please all tastes today. And with that in mind, I have my own thoughts. And I've added a few additional tasters from authors talking about their own work. Because of course, as a reviewer, there are only so many books you can get to in a month. So on with the show. And first, a word for Peter Murphy on the publication of his last Judge Walden book, A Week on Mount Olympus. Sadly, Peter passed away in July last year. Peter Murphy had a lot of strings to his bow. He was a professor, a judge, a counsellor at the Yugoslav War Crimes Tribunal in The Hague, and of course a writer. His highly entertaining and thought-provoking novels ranged from American thrillers to the estimable Ben Schroeder series, set in the UK and Europe, and the witty Walden novels. I only met Peter Murphy once, but I did interview him twice. His intelligence, wit and genuine warmth shone out. So rest in peace, Peter Murphy. A Week on Mount Olympus and Other Tales from the Bench is the continuing adventures of the resident judge of Bermondsey Crown Court. Among his rumpole-like adventures, Walden gets a stint on the appeals court. The stories include his fellow judges, the grey smoothies of the Justice Department, and a variety of cases that reveal a lot about our judicial system. And Murphy's insight is truly fascinating. But he never loses sight of the human stories. This is mild satire with real wit and compassion. Published by No Exit Press in paperback. C.L. Patterson's new psychological thriller, The Florist, promises a killer twist. I doubt she's going to reveal that for us now. But here she is to tell us about the novel. Hi, crime fans. I'm C.L. Patterson, and I can't wait to tell you about my new psychological thriller, The Florist. Have you ever heard that phrase, every rose has its thorn? That sums up Amy McKenzie, narrator of The Florist, perfectly. On the face of it, she's living the dream. Her florist business is thriving, and her Insta-ready floral installations are the talk of the town. But for Amy, it's not enough. She doesn't just want to decorate the homes of her wealthy clients. She wants to be part of their world. Hired by a glamorous couple to provide the flowers for a lavish birthday party, she sees an opportunity to have the kind of lifestyle she's always dreamed of. But when a guest suffers a violent and shocking death, the finger of blame is soon pointing at Amy. As the florist fights to clear her name, it isn't long before she uncovers some less than fragrant truths about the couple. But Amy is hiding an even uglier secret and by the time she realises the past has finally caught up with her, it might just be too late. Spoiler alert, no one comes out of this twisted tale smelling of roses, and that's if they even make it out alive. Well, that should certainly whet a few appetites. Northern Ireland writer Simon Maltman doesn't usually write about the Troubles directly, but it features in this new series published by Sharp Books, the first of which is Hunted. A jaded IRA man turned British intelligence informer, Michael Walker, is now retired and living incognito in Beaconsfield, Pennsylvania. It's 1999. The peace process is underway. And Walker has a new life off the radar. That is until a burglary. And that brings him up against a local gang, the FBI, British intelligence, and an IRA hit team. Hunted is pulpy, fast and fun. It riffs on familiar themes with some striking twists and there's plenty of humour to spice the cat-and-mouse road-trip stroke revenge thriller. A quick and satisfying read. 
I interviewed Jane Desmond for a debut on The Edge. That was during COVID. And of course, that was an added hurdle to anybody trying to make it as a writer. But very pleasingly, she's gone from strength to strength. And her new novel, A Quiet Contagion, is garnering a lot of attention. So I asked Jane Desmond to tell us a little bit about it. My new novel, A Quiet Contagion, is a mystery thriller with a dual timeline set partly in 1957, but mainly in 2017. At its heart is a secret, a secret kept by seven people who all worked at the same pharmaceutical lab in Coventry in 1957. Hiding the truth has brought success to some of them, but others have been tormented by it. And now, 60 years later, one of them plans to reveal the truth with fatal consequences when 76-year-old Wilf shockingly jumps off a railway bridge and dies. Neither Feeney, Wilf's granddaughter, nor her grandfather's wife, Dora, have any idea why, and as they try to find out, they quickly discover that his death seems to be linked to whatever happened in 1957. But can they find out the truth before any more deaths occur? And once they uncover the secret, what will they do with the knowledge? The Quiet Contagion is published by Verve Books and is available in paperback. White Suicide by Simon Gall, better known as a travel writer and bookshop owner, is an altogether different thriller. A slow burn epic, attempting to make sense of the crazy convoluted world of Italian history and politics. It spans four decades from wartime Sicily to the years of lead and Aldo Moro's kidnapping and its aftermath. One man and his family are caught up in the deadly machinations, corruption and conspiracy surrounding one of the most notorious political murders of the 20th century. Who and what was behind Morrow's killing? The Red Brigade? P2 Masonic Lodge and the Vatican? The CIA? Italian security services? And or the local fascists? Take your pick. Simon Gall has his own theory. This is fascinating territory and the detailed and drawn-out narrative is intriguing. As conspiracy thrillers go, far better than Dan Brown, but lacking the grip and flow of, say, a carré. Nonetheless, as an opener for a trilogy, it's truly thought-provoking and credible. Published in hardback by White Fox. It sort of seems paradoxical in the season of goodwill, but we really do love a good Christmas murder mystery, and I'm sure the Christmas jigsaw murders will be one of the hits of the season. So here's Alexandra Benedict to tell you all about it. Hello, I'm Alexandra Benedict, and I'm the author of The Christmas Jigsaw Murders and Other Christmas Mysteries. The Christmas Jigsaw Murders begins a week before Christmas, when Edie O'Sullivan, a crossword setter, and a crotchety, cantankerous Christmas sceptic, finds a box on her doorstep containing six jigsaw pieces that seem to point to a crime scene. There's also a message inside from a killer called Rest in Pieces, challenging her to find the rest of the jigsaw puzzle in order to prevent a murder on Christmas Eve. There are problems along the way as Edie works out that not only is there something in her past that she must face, but there's something in Christmas that she loves after all. The Christmas Jigsaw Murders is out now, and I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And it's published in hardback by Simon & Schuster. 
Survivor's Guilt by Robin Geigel is the second Erin McCabe legal thriller, after the acclaimed By Way of Sorrow. When millionaire businessman Charles Parsons is shot in an apparent suicide, there are no signs of intruders at his New Jersey mansion. But then a tape appears to implicate his adopted daughter Anne. When confronted, she's quick to confess. But is she protecting someone? When the case falls to Erin and her partner Dwayne Swisher, they instantly realise something is very wrong. This is a legal thriller, but it's driven by a conspiracy, and it's also a strong psychological drama. It's about trafficking, exploitation, abuse, greed, corruption and murder, and it explores issues of justice around the survivors. Erin McCabe is a transgender lawyer, and author Geigel, also a top lawyer, is an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. It's good to see diversity represented properly in crime fiction, but the real point for a recommendation is that Erin and the cast of characters are very well drawn and easy to get on with, and this is an involving and entertaining and very well written thriller. Published by Verve in paperback. And now over to Paul Durston, who's going to tell you something about PC Charlie Quinlan, and his upcoming novel, the second to feature this character. Hello, I'm Paul Durston, and in early December, Diamond Crime will publish my novel, If We Were One. It's a psychological thriller that is a sequel to If I Were Me, which was published last year. Charlie Quinlan, a police officer, is injured dragging a boy from a burning car. During rehab, she experiences memory issues, and these are compounded when she's interviewed by detectives about a murder. She has a bulletproof alibi, but... When a second murder occurs with similar circumstances, she's arrested and suspended from duty. She investigates herself, finds she has a psychological disorder and a moral dilemma. In the sequel, If We Were One, Charlie learns more about her disorder and, more to the point, the causes of her disorder. You will hear her say, Pedophiles made me a monster. Now they must face that monster. Thank you, Paul. So a complete change of mood now for Lee Goldberg's genre-busting mystery thriller, Calico. The latest from the brash publisher, stroke writer, stroke producer of book series and Hollywood shows, including Monk and Diagnosis Murder. I have to say this defies easy classification and maybe takes even a versatile author like Goldberg down a new road. It's a police procedural come western with a touch of sci-fi. And it all centres on Calico, once a thriving town, now a dying backwater. Disgraced and badly treated detective Beth McDade was forced out of LA and now she's rebuilding her career in Barstow, a city crumbling in the Mojave heat. Beth is investigating a strange motor accident in which an apparent vagrant is killed. This is followed by a disappearance, the discovery of a skeleton, and a home invasion. She has no idea where all this is going to take her. Meanwhile, in Calico in 1882, a stranger in town with an unusual skill set has to make a life for himself in the struggling mining town. His and Beth's stories unfold across the novel, and strange links emerge. The present day and past service each other in the story. I leave it to you to find out how, but it's entertaining and Goldberg has a lot of fun with that. I was happier reading the 1882 Calico story, but both strands of the story together create a surprising and enjoyable adventure. 
published by Seven House in hardback. Over to Stephen Ronson now to tell us about his new novel. Hi, I'm Stephen Ronson, and I'm the author of The Last Line, which I describe as a combination of Jack Reacher and Foyle's War, two of my favourites. It's 1940, and Hitler's army races across Europe towards the Channel. John Cook is a Sussex farmer and a veteran of the Great War. When a young woman is found murdered on Cook's farm, the police see him as the primary suspect. Cook investigates to clear his own name and uncovers a bigger crime, one that reaches to the highest ranks of society. Evacuees have been going missing. Cook takes the law into his own hands. As one reviewer noted, he's not afraid to use his fists when required. Cook is a man who gets the job done. I've been thrilled with the way early reviewers are responding to this book. In particular, they like the characters and the setting of wartime Sussex. A lot of them describe it as a page-turner. Selfishly, it's the kind of book I like to read. The Last Line's the first in a series of John Cook novels. It's published by Hodder in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, with a stunning narration by Orlando Wells. The paperback will be out next May. Thank you, Stephen. On to a real blockbuster thriller now. Arctic Sun by Jack Grimwood is an international thriller set towards the end of the Cold War. A mysterious explosion at a previously unknown facility in the Russian Arctic sparks an international situation. A hunt for the truth behind what could be a nuclear disaster is on. Dr. Amelia Blackburn is a research scientist in Norway. Close enough to get a good sense of what happened. She gets a message to the British Secret Intelligence Service. And that brings her old friend Major Tom Fox into the hunt for answers when Blackburn goes missing. He owes her one for saving his life with the Stasi in the past. Rumours of American involvement abound, and Russia is keen to close the whole thing down, literally burying the truth. Meanwhile at home, Tom's wife has died, leading to a custody battle with her parents. But the thought of a protracted legal battle is only the beginning. Tom served undercover in Northern Ireland in 1971, and people there have long memories. And that's about to come back to haunt him. It's a complex setup that in many ways could have been more than one novel. As it is, it requires concentration to keep all the strands alive in your mind. That said, this is a proper page-turning high-stakes thriller, published by Michael Joseph in hardback. Canadian resident Welsh author Cathy Ace writes two series, The Wise Women Inquiries Agency Mysteries and the Kate Morgan series. The Corpse with Opal Fingers is the latest in that series, and here's Cathy to enlighten us about the new tale. Hello folks, this is Cathy Ace speaking, taking my chance to introduce you to The Corpse with the Opal Fingers. This is the 13th book in the Kate Morgan mystery series, and on this occasion we find Kate and her husband Bud visiting Kate's sister in Sydney, Australia. Now, Kate's a professor of criminal psychology, so when she overhears a yarn being spun that opens with, I was 10 years old when I found a murder weapon, of course she's going to listen in, little knowing that she, her husband, and her family are all going to be tapped on the shoulder by a very cold case, and not in a good way. If you like a traditional mystery with lots of suspects, red herrings, clues, and a final denouement where the culprits are unmasked, try the corpse with the opal fingers. A trip down under might be just what the doctor ordered at this time of year, even though the 13th book is unlucky for quite a lot of people. (laughs) 
Thank you, Cathy. To the high seas now for a true account by Catherine Howe. Howe loved sailing in the sea, so it must have been a thrill to find that one of her relatives, a woman, was a pirate. This is the tale of two women, two lives, two centuries apart, but connected by common experience. One starts in Boston, 1726, the other New England in the 1930s. Hannah Massery, Howe's ancestor, witnesses the execution of William Fry. The golden age of piracy is ending, but for Hannah, a sea life represents the only chance to forge her own destiny, as she's born into poverty and a deeply patriarchal class-ridden society. So 200 years later, Professor Marion Beresford researches Hannah's story and reflects on how modern strictures mean that her own struggle for independence is hampered. The two stories share that common theme. One of the key elements of the novel is a revelation of a remarkable event in Hannah's life which is based on real history. I would say the two timelines prevent the novel becoming a full-blown adventure of piracy on the high seas, but it's never less than intriguing. One of the real strengths of the novel is the portrait of two complex and powerful women. This is an insightful and thought-provoking feminist retelling of history, and sadly it still speaks to misogyny and sexism in society now. Published by Magpie in hardback. And finally, a novel that surprised me with its depth. The simple premise becomes more complex and engaging as this novel goes on. The Weatherman by Royston Reeves. And it becomes an impressive psychological thriller. It all begins when Will has a tough day at work and winds up in the pub afterwards for a few consolatory beers. He leaves the pub early taking a shortcut to the tube. And that's where he bumps into a man who seems determined upon trouble. Will hits him and the guy drops. The stranger's head hits the pavement. Will is scared, and as he sees it, there are no witnesses, or so he thinks, and Will trudges off home. Next day, it turns out the guy is dead, and despite the shock, Will tries to get on with his life, until a note appears. I know what you did. Will's whole life is about to be upended. Only there's more to this story than meets the eye. And that's when things become really interesting. The intriguing moral dilemma assumes new dimensions. A highly readable novel. Published by No Exit Press in hardback. And that's a selection for this month, and all the details can be found on the program notes. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and subscribe with your favourite podcast provider. I'll be back next month with the final review show of the year. But for now, bye and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>